Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, my name is Zev Bannett and you are watching the Asode Blocks YouTube channel. And if you want to get the same exact video in an audio format, you can head over to the podcast channel in iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play and all those places. So you can get exactly the same content as this in an audio format. You can listen to it while you're driving or anything else that you're doing. And so uh, that's a better alternative than check it out over there. Otherwise, you can stay over here and watch my talking face. So this is a, kind of like a continuation of some things we've already done. There's a couple of other videos on the channel called Getting Close to Hashem. And we're sort of going to build a little further here. And I just want to start off by saying a little bit of a controversial comment. As we really are going to be talking about getting close to Hashem now, as opposed to before, we were sort of building the background, which is getting close to other people and how that sort of is the lead-in to the idea of getting close to Hashem. And so what I would like to do now is just throw in my controversial starter comment, which is, ironically, I'm going to argue to you that it is actually way easier to get close to Hashem than it is to get close to another person. I know that's counterintuitive because most of you probably are thinking, well, what's the real problem with getting close to Hashem? Getting close to Hashem involves, uh, you know, getting close to somebody who we don't see and we have no way of actually seeing Hashem, as opposed to when you deal with another person, well, you can see another person. And so that's, you know, a very big difference between you getting close to Hashem and getting close to another person. So it should be a lot, a lot harder to get close to Hashem than to get close to somebody else. And yet here I am coming out just from the very beginning and throwing this out to you. I'm going to submit to you the possibility that it's actually much easier to get closer to Hashem than it is to get closer to another person. And when you actually think through some of the principles we've laid out in the previous videos about how you get close to somebody else, now there are almost like three different ways, right? There's, there's, you can, if you, if you're, if you can match up the kinds of things that you're thinking about with the kinds of things that the other person is thinking about, you can sort of match up the things that you're feeling emotionally with the kinds of things the other person is feeling emotionally. Or if you can match up your bodies, that your bodies are physically close to each other and therefore in sync physically, then those are all opportunities you can use to allow for the sense, uh, experiential closeness that's on the inside that sort of parallels the physical or mental or emotional uh, synchrony that you're experiencing in terms of those three levels. So here's what I'm gonna say to you just to, you know, to begin. When you have that background and you sort of see how it works that way, and again, remember that it's optional. In other words, whenever you have mental synchrony with somebody, you have the same types of thoughts, and, or you have emotional synchrony or physical synchrony, so synchrony meaning like to be synchronized, where you're sort of, you know, the same place, sort of the same way together. So whenever you have those things, you can now choose to use that in syncness, synchrony, to allow yourself to sort of experience them as a part of you and you as a part of them. It creates this intertwining situation where now you, on the level of yourself, will really experience yourself and the other and them as if you're almost kind of part of one larger self. So to the point where if you try to separate, you know, the two people and you and you get rid of one or, you, you know, one, God forbid, will die. So then it'll literally pull them apart in that way and it'll tear it apart and you'll feel these gaps where that person was once part of who you are. And that's what closeness really is. So how does that exactly work when you think about that in terms of Hashem? So let's just take that a little bit deeper and sort of think that through. What would actually make it much easier for you to get closer to another person? I want you to think about that question, right? You sort of just... Inside your mind, let's say your spouse, girlfriend, best friend, boss, you know, you name a person that you interact with, parent, child. What would make it easier for you to actually get closer to them? Well, we know uh, we kind of at this point have developed, we need two things. We need to have synchrony. In other words, similarities like the original mentors you've been working with the whole time. You have to have things that are similar in terms of thoughts, 
uh, emotions or, or body or all three. But you also have to have you know, the buy-in to say, I'm now going to use that synchrony to sort of fuse with the other person. So what would make that whole process easier? Well, what if the easiest way to sort of enhance that or, or augment this process was for the other person that you wanted to get close to, if instead of you having to sort of learn them by almost randomly trying to pick up on what it is that they're thinking or what their interests are or asking them questions about themselves, um, or hugging them or whatever, what if there was a, a fast track to sort of learning all their mental way of being, their feelings, how they feel about things, and also sort of how to be physically close to them? What if there was a fast track? So let's look at what a fast track like that would look like. Well, what if instead of having to learn someone's thoughts, right? Let's say you're dating somebody and you wanna get closer to them intellectually, mentally. How are you gonna do that? Well, you gotta ask them questions. What kind of books do you read? and tell me what kinds of things you think about, what are you thinking about right now, and you realize there's a very, you know, there's a, a limit to how much time you can really spend with them doing that if you're dating them. So you see them, let's say, once every once a day, once every few days, and so you ask them all these questions when you're with them, and then, you know, what are you gonna do next? So you, you got some thoughts from them, you have some idea of what they're thinking about, but you also realize that, well, they're thinking about some, they, they, they were able to tell you verbally some of the things they were thinking about, but it's not gonna cover the vast majority of their thoughts. So how are you gonna get your thoughts in sync with their thoughts. Well, there are some shortcuts, like you could ask them, for example, what's your favorite book? And they tell you their favorite book, and you can read that book, and you can get into their head that way a little bit more, because now you, you have read the same book as them, so in certain ways, your thoughts might be more in sync now. But what if there was even a faster way than that to get sort of inside of their mind? Well, what if you had a person actually write down all the thoughts that they've ever had for the last 20 years, now that's not gonna be a very good shortcut for them. It'll take them a long time. But here's what that could do for you if there was a way to do that. What that could do is you could now have like 20 volumes of all the things they've ever thought about over the last 20 years and you could just read all of that. Now, of course, that's, that's not a good idea. You should never try doing this. It's not good for anybody. It's really a lot of things to read there and probably some of those thoughts are gonna be crazy and whatever because each of us has a lot of things going on inside of our heads. But the point is it will be a massive shortcut. It's kind of like as in another, maybe a more realistic analogy would be if you have a situation where even using these YouTube, YouTube videos is an analogy, right? Let's say I was trying to get some help someone get to know me better. So I could spend time talking to them about myself, but I could also say, you know what, in your downtime, when you're not with me, you could watch some of my YouTube videos and get to know me that way. And that way you sort of have access to information about my mind coming through these YouTube videos that even when I'm not there, you can still grow in that and learn more about my way of thinking by watching these videos. Think about that in terms of how much more efficient that makes it for me as a person, as a teacher, as someone who's sharing ideas, that you could watch this video even when I'm not there. So similarly here, if you could find a way to get information about the thoughts of the person that you're trying to get close to, even when they're not there, you could sort of access their, their types of thoughts. Even when they're not present, it would, be, it would really augment the process of learning in a significant way, really two ways. One is you can learn the other person's thoughts even when they're not there. And two is it also sort of allows you to um, to do it, I guess you could say sort of without any, any, I mean, the same thing, without any real breaks, but almost like continuously where you really can immerse yourself into their thoughts, but you can also do it on your own, at your own pace. Like, let's say again, if you had that book where the person you're dating wrote out all their thoughts, so you could kind of go into the book, you could read a few parts and then you could sort of think about it and be like, Hmm, let me think about those thoughts. Like what exactly would that mean? How does that play out? And like, let me understand her thoughts really deeply now. Like 
what's she thinking? Why is she thinking that way? And what does this mean? And what does that mean? And you can really start to sift through the person's thoughts. Now, as opposed to if you're talking to her directly on the dating you know, situation, so then you have a lot less opportunity to do that because how are you supposed to actually sift through somebody else's thoughts while they're talking? You're in the middle of a conversation. It's much harder to do that. So that pause opportunity where you can sort of at your own pace, think through what it is that their thoughts are saying really can give you a lot more depth of insight to really clearly understand their thinking. And then you can start to figure out where you're thinking and their thinking is the same, where it's different. And you can really start to bring your thinking into alignment, into synchrony through that process. Now, of course, the problem with reading somebody else's thoughts is that it gets, like I said, a little bit crazy. But let's just think exactly how crazy does it really get? Well, let's say, for example, that you know, I, I had an experience in my life when I was 15 years old. Let's say I had a close friend and she was crying. In other words, you know, I see her crying and at the same time I see, like, so I see tears coming out of her eyes and I also see that she looks like she's smiling. So I walk up to her and I say to her, and like, I, I essentially try to assess what's going on because I'm like, well, she's crying, but she's smiling. So I ask her what's happening and she tells me something which happened, which was very, very uh, intense emotional experience. And it was so intense that it made her laugh and cry at the same time. Okay, now, how would I quantify that whole situation when I first saw her crying and then also laughing? What kinds of thoughts are running through my head such that they would actually appear inside of the book that I wrote later on when I wanted to share my thoughts with somebody in my thought book in our analogy? So like, what would that look like exactly? What kinds of thoughts would you see? So let's spell that out. So it would kind of look like this. Well, first I was like, um, this person is crying. So she's obviously feeling emotional pain. But on the other hand, I see that her mouth is, is making a smile face, which usually signifies that she's happy. So that means that now I'm seeing a situation where there's tears coming out of her eyes and a smile. So these two things don't fit together. So the fact that they don't fit together means something else is going on here that's more complicated. Maybe there's maybe she's really, really laughing very intensely at something because she actually, it was so funny that it made her cry. Or maybe something happened that was emotionally intense and it was so intense that it made her cry and laugh because of the emotional spillover. And I'm sort of trying to figure that out. And you do this all the time. Whenever you see anything going on around you, your thoughts kind of run through scenarios and ideas and options about what exactly it is that you're seeing. And you just don't even realize that you're doing it because you just take it as a given. In fact, anytime you see somebody crying, you are doing that exact thing. You see somebody that has tears coming out of their eyes. So you're kind of like, you inherently start to calculate that person is sad. All you're seeing is somebody with water coming out of their eyes, but you make the calculations automatically that implies sadness. And then if something else doesn't fit that, then you're going to calculate, well, maybe it means something else. So you're always thinking in these kind of like these different thought pathways. So think about that for a second. Now you try to capture that in an actual book and you have this back and forth and thinking and analysis and you know just these random details and random situation random story are all part of the ways that I think about things. So now when you are reading the book of my thoughts to learn how I think well it's going to be full and full and full of these very random things that really give you insight into how I think about pretty much whatever it is that I've ever thought about. So what that will allow you to do is It'll allow you to do a few things. One, it'll give you sort of like an exposure to the ways that I think in so many different scenarios. And that will give you particular understanding of me. Like, how do I think about situation X? How do I view situation Y? What is my perspective about each of these things? And then it'll also allow you to start picking out macro patterns. You can start to see how all the different ways that I think in individual situations can build towards principles. Like, are there overarching principles about how I think about the world and what my views are? And you can start to build out patterns and start to see how things interconnect in my thoughts. And you can get a sense of all these structures of thought that are going on inside of my mind. 
So that is essentially a very massive shortcut for you to learn my way of thinking without just having to spend so much time just listening to me talk and in a very, very fragmented, almost like a, um, a I don't want to say distorted, but in a very partial kind of way. When you get to know your wife or your husband or a friend and you're just listening to them and trying to, you're, and, then, and then they ask you afterwards, or let's say you know somebody for 20 years and, you, and they ask you, tell me, how do I think? Tell me about the way that I think. You ever notice that it's very hard to articulate anything back in response to that? It's usually pretty rare that you can sort of say, well, I think that you have certain thought ways of thinking in terms of this type of issue, and here's what you think about that, and I think that shows larger psychology. That's actually what psychologists are for. They're designed to help you pick apart what you think and get an idea of the patterns that are going on there. So that's, you know, it's pretty rare. But imagine, again, if you had a book like that of all my thoughts, you could do it and you would probably have a much easier time doing it because it's so much less fragmented than getting to know somebody in a haphazard way in conversation, even someone that you live with that you're married to. So I want you to think about that as that's a nice shortcut example. Now, here's the funny thing about that example. If you've actually experienced what it is that I'm essentially referring to through this analogy, then you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. There actually is exactly that kind of book about or encapsulating all of these thoughts of Hashem. We call Hashem. So that book is called the Talmud. And the Talmud is, you know, it's also known as the Gemara. And the Talmud is a very large body of work. It's written in a couple of different languages and there's a few different, you know, um, parts to it. But it's about, you know, there's a, n- a number of, it's, it, it could, we, we could decide to, to describe it as around 2,500 pages long if we're talking about just the Babylonian Talmud. But I wanted to stress these types of labels, talking about the Talmud and the, the Babylonian Talmud and the, whichever other terms you want to use for it, the point is what this book is, it is a repository of the thoughts of Hashem and the way that Hashem thinks about everything. I mean, it pretty much covers every single topic in existence. And that's crazy to say that. But if you read the book, you will find that's exactly what it does. Now, you might be a little perturbed, like, well, what about, I don't know, circuitry of iPhones or whatever? So yes, it's true that it doesn't go into full detail in the actual Talmud about how Hashem thinks about transistor circuitry in an iPhone. That's true. But the principles that lead to that kind of complexity and specificity are found in the Talmud. And we also have many later writings that essentially also relate to these types of processes on these, you know, micro, electronic, all these different areas of complexity. In other words, it's not directly referenced, but the way to think about it is there. And that's actually the whole purpose of this book is like to try to, like I said, to learn how Hashem thinks about situations and then assess how he would think about new situations that are not directly referenced in the thought process of the Talmud, but that you could understand by applying the principles of Hashem's thinking to that. And so what comes out of that is, well, that's a massive shortcut because what that leads to is you actually have access to Hashem's mind. He wrote down everything he thinks about all these things. You know, say he wrote it down, but there, is a, there was a process through which that was written down. And the ways that Hashem thinks about these things are all encapsulated in a book. Now, for those who are curious, well, how do we relate to that, given that we have this idea that you know, there are these rabbis from 2,000 years ago that wrote this stuff down? Great questions, a different discussion. But for now, the simple point that we're making here is that wh- however it was compiled, or however it was written down, that book, or that set of books, those volumes, are a repository of the thoughts of Hashem. Again, you don't have to believe me. You can check it out, and we can talk more about it, and you can, you're can. you welcome to add comments at the bottom of this video to uh, respond and ask me to make videos that re- reference specific parts of what I'm saying right now more in-depth. But the short point for right now is if you want to learn how Hashem thinks about the universe, 
and about every individual situation of humanity, of larger metaphysics, of, of love, of connection, all these things that we've been talking about in these videos. That is what that book is. So what that means is, well, that's a pretty big shortcut in terms of getting your mind in sync with Hashem's mind. Now, the way to do that would essentially be you can just learn Hashem's thinking, and the more you learn it and the more you absorb it and understand it, the more you're going to then find that your thinking begins to take a lot of the different elements of Hashem's thinking on, and you start to think that way too. And now you and Hashem have a very, very, very big thing in common. You think in very similar ways. Now, from Hashem's side, this is not really even a discussion because Hashem already thinks like you, but that's a longer discussion to talk about how Hashem experiences us. Right now, I'm talking more about us experiencing Hashem. From Hashem's perspective, Hashem is already close to each person. Hashem loves every single human being and all of the universe and literally experiences us as in his arms, constantly being hugged by him. But on your side of things, so you're going to sometimes not feel that, not realize that Hashem is doing that. So you have to learn how to discover your closeness with Hashem. And in order to discover that, well, you have to have this kind of pathway where you either have access to Hashem's, you have to have access to Hashem's thoughts, access to Hashem's emotions, and access to Hashem's physical closeness, just like on the body level. So you actually do have all three of those things. Hashem's thoughts, or what we mean when we talk about the Gemara and all and those parts of the Torah. Hashem's emotions, uh, what Hashem cares about, what Hashem feels. So those types of things are all captured inside of the Chumash, uh, which is the Bible and the Old Testament. And then Hashem's, um, and the last part, which is Hashem's body, the entire physical universe. There is no place in the physical universe that is not a physical expression of Hashem's being. Now, this is obviously, I'm doing a, for a relatively shortened description of this thought process here, and we have to really go deeper into, well, how do we actually experience the physical universe as Hashem's kind of physical expression of himself? What does it mean that the Chumash is actually Hashem's emotional state? And each one of those things needs to be understood more in depth. But what I'm saying right now, the reason I delved into the, um, the, the mental model more in terms of the Talmud is because I wanted to pick one example that I could really show you more clearly and in depth, and then just address a couple of important questions that we need to mention now, or important answers really, to sort of help finish the job of showing you the path to how to think about these types of things. So let's remember that, you know, what you might still say is, okay, well, that's very nice, but um, still, like, you know, I, I see how that works with other people, but Hashem still doesn't have a body. I can't see Hashem. So I want to just remind you, and this is where this video and this concept really starts to click together with a lot of other concepts that we already put together on the channel. You want to check out the video about the Neshama consciousness and things like that. But I want to just remind you, you actually can't see other people either. You don't have that ability. In other words, other people are not bodies. We are. This is not me. This body is not me. According to the Torah's description of the mechanics and, and the way that we work, this is not what I am. I am an endless self that is invisible and intangible and timeless. I have no thoughts, I have no feelings, and I am not a body. I am immortal and intangible and watching through these eyes. And so now, when I, when I, when I get linked to a brain, and when I get linked to a body that has feelings, physiological sensations of emotion, which are adrenaline, anger, you know, dopamine, joy, pleasure, these kinds of things that our bodies create, the sensations, when I'm linked to a body like that, so I can express my endless self through those tools, but that is not me. So I basically am linked to a set of tools that thinks thoughts, and I can learn new ways of thinking. I can get closer to you by learning how you think, and then myself can reach across through my thoughts and through your thoughts to create a sense of, of togetherness. I have a set of tools that has feelings, 
And that's not me, but I can use those feelings to sort of to say, oh, I'm feeling those things in my set of tools and so are you. So now I know that we can kind of connect through that and become fused together through that process. And I also have a physical body that I can put close to your physical body and then we can feel like we are near each other physically. And that also is an opportunity for ourselves to now reach through the closest of the body and fuse a little bit and feel sense that we are almost like one self through those three gateways. So but what that means is that you are also invisible. We can't see you. And you can't see me. None of us can see each other. And yet we still do it. So how do we do that? Well, we're doing that because we have a set of tools that is pretty, uh, I want to say it's kind of simple set of tools. In other words, we have tools that overlap. Since I have thoughts, and I see that you have thoughts, and I have feelings, I see that you have feelings, and I have a body that looks like this, and you have a body that looks like this also. So we're like very familiar with that, and so we feel like we can interact. You ever try getting close to somebody who speaks a different language than you? It's much more difficult, almost impossible. Getting married to somebody who speaks a foreign language is like a very, very major obstacle because now the set of tools is not as familiar, but they still do that sometimes. People do still do that and they find other ways to create bridges. And that's really what this is about. In other words, you need to find points of commonality between you and other people. Like we said in the very beginning, that's what the Medrash is saying. You got to find ways that you are similar on the level of your tools to allow the endless invisible self that you are to reach through those commonalities and create those connections. But that just shows you that it's not about being able to see somebody. It's not about that. It's about understanding that there is a mechanics to closeness and that you have to learn how you and Hashem actually have things that you share. And in fact, you actually have many more things that you share than you realize because you and Hashem share a mind. You share thinking. And if you think about it, the, you know, the way the Torah describes it is that when you live the Torah lifestyle. So it essentially works like this. When you learn Torah, like we already mentioned a little before, you are now thinking the thoughts that Hashem tends to, that Hashem thinks. Those are Hashem's thoughts that you're now thinking. So your thoughts are a microcosm, an analogy. They are a step-down version of Hashem's larger way of thinking. So when you plug yourself into how Hashem thinks, so now you're actually becoming more in sync with Hashem, opening yourself up to potentially getting close to Hashem too, if you allow that to happen. Similarly with feelings, everything that exists in, in, in the universe, Hashem is the source of all being, is the source of all feelings, source of all thinking, source of all physical things. So that means that there's each of these things are the way that the things that you have, your ways of being. So of course it seems more natural to do that with other people because you've been conditioned to think, well, this is a person and this is a pillow. So therefore I can't relate to this pillow the way I would relate to a person. And that's true. But what if this pillow was like a tiny cell in the enormous body of Hashem? And what if every single physical thing in the world was actually a part of Hashem's body? And so you could actually learn to rewrite the way that you think about people is instead of thinking of them as this is a person, remember that this is just an endless self with a set of tools that they use to create closeness on the level of the self. And you think about, well, Hashem also has tools and Hashem's tools largely are both mirrors of our tools and way more, way bigger, but fundamentally are really very similar. So when you start to understand what those tools, each one of them is, what exactly is thought? What is language? What is the body? What are feelings? And Hashem has all those same things because he is the source of all of them and uses them to interact with us. That really opens up the door to start to realize that actually getting close to Hashem is not easy, but super simple. And so I already gave you the example of learning the Talmud because that's the easiest one. And that's why I really started with that because it's much simpler to start with that than anything else. You, when you understand that what the Gemara actually is, is literally Hashem's thoughts, Hashem's thought process, how he gets from point A to point B and figures stuff out. And you know, that's when you're learning, when you're learning a piece of Talmud where it's like, it's like, why are we so obsessed with this particular detail? 
And that's how thoughts work. Every thought is like that. Whenever you have a, a thought, it's literally going to be going to sort of focus on these tiny details that you just think through so fast because you're so used to them. And so you just think it through like step one, two, three, four, five, six. But the Gemara, the Talmud has to write that out in words so you can actually track the thoughts of Hashem. So when you read that in writing, it sounds crazy or neurotic, but it's just thoughts written down on paper in their entirety. So that's actually what, when you start to realize that's what the Gemara is, then instead of just reading this random dry text of like, oh, here's a text I have to read and just, I don't know, I'm supposed to learn this because it's important to learn Torah or some other religious thing like that, you start to realize that actually, no, there's a living self that is behind all being and you are literally reading his thoughts right now and through that you can actually get yourself in sync with him and that's why the ultimate goal of learning Gemara is to actually learn to think the way the Gemara thinks because that's actually the way that you are able to think. It is the highest way to think about anything, which is why if you, the more you learn about Gemara thought, the more you start to realize that all innovation in the world is Gemara thought. All, all inventions, all creativity, the way of thinking that the Gemara thinks is the way that anyone, whether it's Jeff Bezos or you know, Mark Zuckerberg or whoever else is the big people today, Steve Jobs, you, know, you could read Steve Jobs' biography by Walter Isaacson, where the guy's whole way of thinking is the Gemara way of thinking. And it's wild to read it because it's just like, it's hilarious. Like this is literally the way to think because it's how Hashem thinks about the world. It's that, that, and Hashem is the ultimate source of creativity. So of course his way of thinking is, is uber creative. So that's exactly what you start to see when you learn Gemara in, from that place. You say Gemara is Hashem's thought. Hashem is the self behind all self. He's the source of all being and this is his thinking right now. And you plug into that and the more you learn it that way and the more you understand the framework of what that learning is, the more it makes you actually experience yourself as closer and closer and closer to Hashem. And of course, there's also other parts here we need to, we need to flesh out in much, more, uh, much greater length. But fundamentally, the most awesome thing you could do for yourself, you want to get closer to Hashem and learn about, learn about how this works in a deeper way, is to learn how Hashem thinks. Learning how Hashem thinks is the key to learning how Hashem feels, key to learning how Hashem operates in the world and operates as the world. And that's really why I use that as the, as the major example here. Hope that, hope that was relatively clear. Feel free to add comments and questions down below and subscribe and all those usual YouTube type things. And I hope you enjoyed. See you in the next video.